We're going to sing number 106, 106. parts of the hymnal right here. I love that. I love that song right there. Number 453. 453. Anybody, if you can, let's all
leave us in prayer tonight? Amen. Please do be seated. Thank you, Miss Donia. We got to tell you, it's uh, encouraging to see all the smiling faces as we were talking about smiling faces while we were singing, and uh, they become contagious. I appreciate them; they kind of spread, and uh, so I just uh, praise the Lord for that. I do have a thank you card here I want to share. It says, "Thank you so much." We would like to thank the church for our outing to see Esther. And our lunch, we all enjoyed it very much. God bless. And the Branson Bunch. There you go. <laughs> Decided not to go with gray matter, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I tell you what, we really did have a good time. And I enjoyed it. I would tell you, I've always, I've never been a big fan of like passion plays and stuff like that. Because usually what you do is you sit through and you look for the errors and things that get wrong. But I was very impressed with how much detail, how hard they worked to get it right. And so it was encouraging, and so I, I just, we do thank you so much for that. We want you to take and uh, open your Bibles tonight, if you will, to John chapter 2. I'll actually keep praying for me. I, uh, I'm the type of person that people that get a cold that lasts for a day, I'll, I'll get a cold that'll last for two weeks, and so I'm still suffering a little bit, so uh, I would appreciate your prayers. But... Uh, uh, we're going to be uh, going to a preacher's meeting next week, and so Brother, uh, I just I just blanked out on his first name, Brother Martin, what's it, what's his first name? <laughs> He's been here before, guys, help me, Brother Martin, Richard Martin, Brother Richard Martin's going to be here uh, next week, and he's looking forward to that, and so you be in prayer for him, I'm excited for him to be here, and uh, so please do... Uh, Come and, and be an encouragement to him. He'll be an encouragement to you. In John chapter 2, I'm going to ask you a question here in a second, and then I'm going to hopefully preach against what you just answered. Okay, I don't mean that in a negative way. But I'm going to ask you the question, what subject do we usually teach from from this text? Okay, and so let's read it. In John chapter 2, beginning verse 1, the Bible says, In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water st uh, pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. By the way, that's a, that's a key phrase that we're not going to look into tonight, but that's important for understanding where they are and what's going on here. But if you will, they had uh, these water pots that were sanctified. They were set aside as special. It says containing two or three firkins apiece, and I have no idea what a firkin is, so please forgive me, but it's, we could figure that out. The Bible says, Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. And the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning that saith for good wine, 
and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises. We just thank you for the hope of heaven. We thank you for the comfort and the encouragement that only you can give in a world of, of discouragement and stress. Father, we pray that you give us a time of refreshing. Just uh, uh, be that comforter that we might need today. Be with those who are apart from us. You know every need. Uh, pray for safety and encouragement, ministry opportunity, health. Uh, and Father, more than anything, we just pray that we'd understand your word here tonight that we'd apply it to our lives, and then, Lord, that we'd be able to minister it in the lives of those around us. Father, we do love you. Meet with us now. Forgive us for our sins, and just help us to do your will. We ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I'll ask my question now. Whenever we read this text, what do we usually teach on? Everybody's going to be quiet here now. Huh? First miracle, yeah, absolutely, it says that. So that's true, it is the first miracle. But to be honest with you, most times when this text is used, it's used to discover if Jesus made alcoholic wine or grape juice. And that's the big issue. And can I just say this, we're going to look at it tonight, and we're not going to look at that at all, okay? I'll be glad to have that conversation if you need to have it. But I will say this, in very many ways, this text isn't about that at all. It's not about that at all. As a matter of fact, the Bible takes and says at the very end of that text, what does it say? It says, um, it says in verse 11, it says, This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Now, you've got to remember that um, uh, this is Jesus' first miracle. The Bible says it was his beginning of miracles there. We read that. And, uh, and, uh, excuse me here. And so it says that he was the beginning of his miracles, okay? But if you will, you got to remember, we kind of have to read the book of John different than any other of the gospel books. As a matter of fact, a lot of times, whenever they're putting the four gospels together, they will, they will say the three synoptic gospels and the gospel of John. And the reason for that is, is when they say synoptic, that means that you can kind of overlay Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they'll fill in the gaps for each other. That's essentially what it means, synaptic. It's, you can take and put it together, okay? But John is so out of the ordinary, it's extraordinary. That's what out of the ordinary means, if you will. And it's, it's kind of as a standalone um, gospel, okay? Why? Well, in a sense... This first one is talking about Jesus as the Christ and the miracles he did and the ministry that he had. And you've remembered that as we've looked at the book of John, the book of John is trying to prove that he's God. That's a big difference. In, in, in the other Gospels, here's his miracles, here's what he did, here's what he's doing, here's how he provided for your salvation. And this is he is God. Okay, And I will promise you that the Bible says great is the mystery of godliness. God manifest in the flesh. Meaning this is, of all the things that were hidden in the Old Testament, that's what a mystery is. 
of all the things given to us in the Old Testament that were not explained to us, the fact that God was going to come in flesh and dwell among us, and we were going to, be going to behold his glory as the only begotten of God, that, that is a great mystery. It's a great revelation. It's very difficult for us to get our minds around. Now, I will ask you this question, and we'll see it here in a moment. The nation of Israel, we've been looking at Israel in Egypt. And you remember that Moses, and we'll look at this here in a moment, he says, who shall I say sent me? Well, tell them I am sent you. And you got to remember that they had never heard that name before, and so in a way, that was a great mystery to them. That was a revelation to them about the person of their God. I am. I am God. And, and that's the one that is sending me. You remember that before that, they had only known him as the Almighty God, the all-powerful God, if you will. That's, that's how they knew him before that, the Almighty God. And so in, in, in very many ways, um, when... God, through Moses, came to the nation of Egypt. He had to introduce himself, not just to the Egyptians, but also to Israel. I am the I am. The I am okay? And so think about it. If a person was to come and to say, I am the Son of God, I am God the Son, I am the Word, I was in the beginning, all things were made by me, without me was not anything made that was made. Can I ask you a question? How many of y'all think it might just take you a minute to get your mind around that? It would have to take you a minute because we're people of faith, but we're also people of evidence. And, and so when, when the Jews require a sign, the only reason they require a sign is because God gave them great revelation that they needed the evidence to take them to back it up. Listen, you're going to have me go stand in front of Pharaoh? I better have some evidence. Okay. Well, you're going to have me go into all the world and preach the gospel of the what? That God became flesh. He lived a perfect life. He took our sins upon him. He died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again the third day, and he is very much alive today. Can I just tell you, that takes a little bit to get your mind around sometimes, okay? And so God is, in the book of John here, is doing all that he can, uh, if you will, is setting apart. He's, he's trying to say, this is what God did, but this is, this is who Jesus God is, okay? And, and so again... Uh, when we come to this first miracle, rather than just taking and, and looking at, at the questions that quite often, I'll, I'll be honest with you, most of the time this text is used. It's used to take and to talk about was it real wine or was it grape juice, okay? And I just, I, I don't know the percentage because I, you know, keep those figures, okay? But most of the time that's what we're looking at. And to be quite honest with you, I don't even think it's the major part of the narrative. I don't even think it's a major part of the narrative. No, it, it's given there to show that it was a genuine miracle. It was there to, get, to show it was a genuine miracle. Amen. And everybody acknowledged it. You know, I want you to notice some things with me, if you will, about the book of John and this first miracle. And so, again, what is the purpose of the book of John? He tells us, go back a page, if you will, in John chapter 1 and verse 7. Okay? It's talking about the ministry of John the Baptist. And then, ultimately, we can apply that to us. This is our ministry. This is the ministry of Christ when he had his ministry because he had the same ministry as John the Baptist. But the Bible says the same came for a witness. The same came with a testimony. The same bare opportunity to give evidence. I'm trying to give you different ways of saying came as a witness. You guys understand what I'm talking about? See, when the Bible says that he came as a witness, he, he came to say, this is the one who's coming, and this is who he is, and this is what he's going to do, and these are the evidences that you need to look for, and, and this is how you can tell that he's the real one. 
Matter of fact, he gave the witness of his own evidence. He said, he said, listen, the only way I knew who he was is when he came down unto me, a, a, a spirit as of a dove came and dwelt upon him. And, and God had told me that was the sign. That was the one. Okay. And so he's given his own testimony. That's how I knew that this was the Christ. Amen. This is how I knew. And, and, and so, if you will, when we give our testimony, it's kind of the same way. This is how I knew that Jesus was the Christ. This is how I knew that Jesus was the Savior. Amen. And so, if you will, keep reading verse 7. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Jesus is the light. Okay. That, say it with me. That all man through him, say it, might believe. Okay. Well, then, what is the purpose of the book of John? I'm come to give witness that all men might believe. Y'all understand that? God is trying to say that is exactly what this book is about. To help us understand that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. That Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Now, it might be interesting to note this. But a lot of times uh, we'll take and we'll give uh, credence to something because it's accounted for in all four Gospels. I'll give you one evidence, one illustration the feeding of the 5,000 is given in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's given in all four, okay? And there's others like that. But a lot of times we'll take and we'll say, well, see, since it's in all four Gospels, it's important, okay? And yeah, it is, okay? Proved he was God, for one thing. He was the bread of life, okay? But we can also learn this. This is the only place that talks about the first miracle. This is the only place the beginning of miracles is talked about. The book of John is the only place that gives this account. It's the only place that we know about it. And so if you will, you can say, well, it's not all that important. Or you could say it is uniquely positioned in this book to teach us a lesson. Okay? And so if you will, it, you need to take and, and, and notice if it's, if it's talked about a lot, yes. But you might want to look at where it's talked about. This wasn't in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. This one here was in... Excuse me, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, excuse me. But it is in John. And John has written that we might believe and that we might believe that he is God. Okay? I mean, that's what he's, we're wanting to believe from the book of John. Okay? And so that's what this book is about. This book is about a witness or a testimony as to the person of who Jesus Christ is. And so this book does leave out important details. I want you to go back to uh, chapter 1. And you guys all good speed readers here? Could, could you just tell me here, it's all about John the Baptist and John the Baptist bearing witness of the light and, and John the Baptist pointing to Jesus and, uh, and saying, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So I'll say all that. Could you tell me when he got baptized in chapter 1? I'm not going to leave you hanging, Okay. But I'm going to tell you that he's not baptized in chapter 1. Okay? Look at verse 28. The Bible says, These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. John was baptizing. But it does not give the account of Jesus' baptism in chapter 1. It's very interesting. It gives nearly every other detail except that he was baptized. Okay? Now, there could be any number of reasons for that. Okay? One of which is this. Folks, Jesus became man so that he might identify with our sin. Okay? Well, help me now. Death, burial, and resurrection. Does God need to do that? No. But the God-man does. Okay? I'm, I'm not trying to make too much of it. But my whole point is this. For some reason, his baptism is left out 
Um, the Bible uh, does talk about where he was baptized. So again, verse 28, that's the reason I showed you that, Bethabara. And if you look at uh, the way that the, the geography of Israel goes, it just for general information, you have the Sea of Galilee up here, uh, Sea of Tiberias, uh, what's another name for the Sea of Galilee? Anyhow, there's another name for the Sea of Galilee. And then you have the River Jordan, okay, and it goes down into the Dead Sea. Okay, so everybody do it with me again. Sea of Galilee, the River Jordan, and the Dead Sea. Okay, and so if you will, uh, by the way, all of these are wonderful pictures used in the Bible to teach us about oh, crossing into heaven, uh, storms of life, uh, what it's like to have all good things coming in and no good thing coming out, Dead Sea, you all understand. And anyhow, they're wonderful illustrations, but... Um, if you will, if you will, Nazareth is about here. I give you a count, I give you a map, but you're not going to be able to see it anyway. Okay? If you want a map, I'll hand it to you. Nazareth is here, Cana is here, and Bethabara is just north of the Dead Sea on on the uh, on the River Jordan. It's about 70 miles away. Excuse me, 50 miles away. Okay? So a couple days walk. All right? And so there's your geography, just so that you can see that. Okay? Um, Excuse me here. And now he moved around. So go to John chapter 3 and look at verse 23. John chapter 3 and verse 23. This will answer a question for you. Maybe you had it. But where did John baptize? John baptized wherever there was water. Okay? Living water. So he, he, he baptized on the Jordan River. And in verse 23, the Bible says, And John also was baptizing in Anon uh, near to Salem uh, because there was much water there. Okay, y'all see that? So he wasn't doing it in narrow, thin creeks. <laughs> Why do I make mention of that? I, I use this illustration all the time. And have anybody ever seen the picture I'm talking about where you have John the Baptist baptizing Jesus, got his hand on him, and he's talking to God, and in his hand he's got a, he's got a seashell. Very obviously he's getting ready to pour water over Jesus in the middle of the Jordan River. <laughs> it's just kind of silly. Why would you walk into the middle of the Jordan River to take water? And I'm sorry, I like to giggle every once in a while. That one makes me giggle. Okay. But Bethabara, and that what says Bethabara? Uh, is in the middle of the Jordan River. Okay, so the one where Jesus was baptized was down here, and then now he's up here. And to be quite honest with you, not much longer after this, he's arrested and beheaded. And, and you guys know that, okay? But see, John was baptized, and it shows where John was baptizing, but it doesn't say anything about Jesus being baptized in the book of John. What does it say in the book of John? Go to John again, John chapter 1, look at verse 19. John chapter 1, verse 19, the Bible says, And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? Okay? And so they're asking, John, who are you? And he, you guys know that, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. And then sometime after this, okay, by the way, keep track of days here. This will be important here in a second. Sometime after this, Jesus was baptized. And I'm telling you, it didn't take place in the book of John. I'll show you one place it could have, and, and it'll make sense here in a second. But John was baptized, uh, Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter 3, verses 3 through 17. 
And then he was baptized. All these are the same accounts in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And then Jesus was baptized in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. And so Matthew gives the most complete account of it, if you will. Uh, uh, you remember John tried to refuse him. I have need to be baptized of thee. That's the only place it tells us about that. And they suffer it to be so now to fulfill all righteousness. And then he suffered him and he, and he baptized him. Okay. And so, if you will, we know Jesus was baptized. Can I ask you a question? What happened to Jesus immediately after he was baptized? Say it again. Yeah, God spoke from heaven. Very good. And then immediately after that. Yeah, the Bible says he was driven into the wilderness and he was tempted of Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. And that is given to us, if you will, in Matthew chapter 4, verses uh, 1 through 11. Notice again, not even in the book of John, okay? Why am I telling you all this? Folks, that's an awful lot of things to be happening between paragraphs that start out the next day, the next day, the next day, okay? He's clearly not linking four days in a row. Why? Because at the very least, 40 days had to be stuffed in there somewhere. Are you all with me on that? And so my whole point is this, is it, we need to be keen to observe those things, because I'm going to ask you a question here in a minute, and it will be important. And so if you will, John witnessed to the priests and the Levites, and then Jesus finally did come to him, and he was baptized. Then he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says that the angels came to minister unto him, got him some food, and got him his strength back. And once he got his food and his strength back, by the way, the Bible doesn't tell us how long that was. It does not tell us how long that was. But after he got his strength back, then he went back to where John was baptizing. And guess what John did the first time he saw him? Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Now, he didn't do that the first time. Why? You remember, God didn't reveal who he was until he came down unto him and he saw the dove descend upon him. You all with me? Okay. And so these are different incidents that God is putting in here for a purpose. Okay. What's, what was his job? To be a witness of Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. You all see it? And, and so if you will, Jesus is... Uh, 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 John was preaching, he baptized Jesus, Jesus was tempted, Jesus returned to where John was, and look at chapter 1, verse 29, it says, the next day. Well, folks, at the very least, 40 days have taken place between here. That's the reason I'm telling you, I don't think John, the, the baptism of Jesus is in here, okay? Because it keeps saying the next day, the next day, the next day, Okay. And, uh, and so, if you will, somewhere in here, Jesus got baptized, and then he came back, and, uh, and, and uh, uh, John pointed him out. And then, in verse 35, Jesus begins to assemble his disciples. Look at verse 35. In uh, verse 35, the Bible says this. It says, again, the, can everybody say with me? With me? <laughs> next day. You all see that? Next day, next day, next day, next day. Okay? That's very important. By the way, if you're counting, we're up to four next days in this chapter. Okay, we're up to four. We have the day and then three next days. Okay, excuse me. Well, if you will, be, uh, again, Jesus said, uh, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Okay, if you read the other accounts, it says this, he must increase, I must decrease. Okay, and so in a sense, he's taken all of his converts and says, stop following me, start following him. 
Okay, stop following me. Stop. Fo start following him. Why? Because he preached against. Uh, help me now. I just blanked out. Who was the king? Was it Philip or Herod? Was it Herod? It was Herod, and he had Herodias for his wife. Are you sure it was Herod? Philip's wife. So it was Philip. <laughs> yeah, Herod. Okay, yeah. He had Philip's wife. Sorry, I should have wrote all that down. He had his brother-in-law's wife. Y'all with me? And it was wrong, and by the way, that made him none too happy. Philip wasn't too upset about it, but Herodias was. Okay? And she said, bring John the Baptist's head to me on a, on a charge or on a plate, if you will. And uh, folks, it wasn't too long after this, John the Baptist was dead. He literally came and burned as a shining light, the Bible says, for a little over six months. And then he was arrested and he was executed, okay? And so all of this is taking place in a very brief period of time, okay? And so Jesus is beginning to uh, assemble his disciples. Now, this is the clue as to what we're supposed to focus on in the theme of the book, okay? This, this is important now. Knowing what is excluded, okay? He didn't give the account of Jesus' baptism. Now, help me. Is Jesus' baptism important? Yeah. But please take this the right way. It's not important for what John's trying to prove. Have you guys ever heard me whenever I'm preaching? Just listen to what I'm saying now. Don't bring anything else into it. I'm just trying to make one point about one thing. Because sometimes you'll be preaching real hard on a topic. Let's say it this way. I'm preaching grace, 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 grace. And you go, yes, amen, grace. Ah, so that means we can do anything we want and, and still go to heaven. No. I didn't say that. I just said grace. You all understand? And so if you will, is the baptism of Jesus important? Absolutely. Okay but not for what John's trying to do. See, John's trying to prove to us that Jesus is God, okay? And so for some reason, he leaves out Jesus' bathroom, uh, his baptism, and he's put, um, and, and, and so if you look at the text and you see what's excluded, and you might scratch your head, but then that would take and make you focus on what is included. You guys got my point? Meaning this, it's kind of like putting an emphasis on something. Saying, I didn't talk about that because I want you to get this. Okay? You all understand? And so that's, I'm just saying that's a, a tool to help us to get more out of our Bible study to understand. And so why? Why would God take and not give every single detail? Uh, any, we got a future preacher here. All right. Jimmy, have you ever preached a message? You have? Have you ever tried to preach more than the time you had allowed? Yeah. And guys, everybody who's ever been asked to preach, you always run up against the problem of, I didn't have enough time to finish. And so what do you have to do to make sure that you get your message across, okay, and yet finish on time? Well, the Bible says that the world could, could not contain all the books that could be written about Jesus. And, and by the way, John's the one that said that, okay? And so what John is saying, I have limited these facts about this account because I'm trying to get you to see something. You see it? And so even God is saying, I have limited my subject. That doesn't mean the other stuff's not important. It just means I'm trying to get you focused on one thing, okay? 
Not only that, but I believe he's also teaching us a principle we've been talking about in witnessing to people, okay? Is remember how we always tell you that if you're going to be an effective witness, you got to keep people on track. You all understand? And so God doesn't give you all the details and they go, and back to what I was talking about. Back to what I was talking about. No, no, no. He just keeps you on that, what he's trying to talk about, and he takes you there, okay? And so my whole point is this, is when God's doing that, try to take him to see it. Uh, folks, I'm guilty. I can't tell you how many times I've read the book of John, and, and so often I just want to put it in context with all the other books. And it would be so good if I could have just stood back a little bit and God said, don't, don't you see what I'm trying to do here? Y'all understand? By the way, you can get a lot more out of your Bible reading if you apply these principles, okay? Okay? And so if you will, sometimes it's just for the sake of time he limits his subject, and sometimes it's so that he can keep us focused on what his purpose for writing this was. This purpose was that we might know that Jesus is the Christ, that he is God. Amen? And he, he told us that in verse 7. And so anyhow, the book is about a witness or a testimony. The book leaves out important details, but that just means we need to focus on the details that we are given. Okay? And then the book makes a point to mention that this was the beginning of miracles. Uh, go to chapter 2 and look at verse 11. Okay? Excuse me. Chapter 2 and verse 11. Did I give you the right verse? Oh, there we go. Excuse me, I had that problem when I was studying this text, too. Verse 11 says, the beginning of miracles. Y'all see that? Why'd he tell us that? Amen? Help us focus. This is a silly thing to say because it's important. By the way, I, I'll give you one illustration why it's important. There was another book, I believe it was called The Gospel of Thomas, that was written. And you'll notice that we only have four Gospels in our Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want you guys to know that there were dozens of Gospels written, okay? But when the church came together and said, which ones should we use for Scripture, they would say, these ones have the marks of Scripture, those ones don't, okay? And so the Gospel of Thomas, they said, is not Scripture. Don't, don't read it and don't use it for Scripture, and uh, part of the reason for that is, is in one of the early chapters of the Gospel of Thomas, it has the, what's called the nativity story of Jesus. It talks about when he was a baby, when he was young. Okay? How many of you all know what happened when Jesus was seven? Okay? None of us do because not in Scripture. But in this book, they said Jesus was sitting down in a mud puddle and he was making birds. And he would take the birds and he would throw up, throw them up, and they, they would become alive and they would fly off. And so please take this the right way. How do we know, according to what I just read you, how do we know that that's a false narrative? Because of the beginning of miracles. Folks, there's no wasted details in your Bible. Do you realize God gave us that detail to protect us from the Gospel of Thomas? I want you to know 20 years ago, Many religious leaders were saying, you need to read the Gospel of Thomas. It was about 10 years ago they were telling us to read the Gospel of Judas. Well, I don't know about you. I don't think I want to read the Gospel of Judas. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> right? And so 
uh, if you will. By the way, in that book, Judas ended up being a good guy. I'm sorry, I think I've read other books. Y'all with me? And so you might think that's just a little unnecessary detail, but no, God knew he, he gave it to us to protect us. There's other verses like that, but that's not the purpose of this message tonight. What else could it mean? Well, it could mean this. This was the beginning of miracle in the New Testament. Can I ask you a question? When was the beginning of miracles in the Old Testament? Well, very good. But let's, uh, let's allow for a miracle worker. Let's allow for a miracle worker. What would be the first miracle worker? You guys know it. You're just being timid. It would absolutely be in the time of Moses. And what was Moses' purpose in being given those early miracles? Yeah. Who should I say sent me? Tell them I am sent you. They're not going to believe me. We just studied this, guys. Amen? And so God says, what's in your hand? Amen? And think about this. I didn't think about this until I put it in this context. He had a staff he threw down turned into a serpent. Now, you don't have to be much of a Bible scholar to answer this question. Is a serpent a good thing or a bad thing? It's bad. Okay, And he says, if they don't believe that, put your hand in your bosom and pull it out, and you'll be leprous as snow. By the way, is leprosy a good sign or a bad sign? Bad sign. Put it back in. And, and then take water, take your staff, put it over the water, and I'm going to have you turn the water into blood. And by the way, folks, they couldn't drink the water because it was very bad. And it led to death to anybody who drank it and death to the fish who swam in it. A serpent, leprosy, and a, a beverage that leads to your death. Folks, get a hold of this. And it's like I said, I'm not saying it's not important what we learn in John chapter 2 about the wine. But folks, they were at a celebration of life. And when they brought the wine, they said, you know, usually they bring the good stuff first. Please take this the right way. There's a lot to learn there. There's a lot to learn there. Because this was a celebration of life. And all of it is, is figurative when it comes to the believer. All of it is, okay? And so if you will, uh, uh, go back to chapter 2 and look at verse 11. What was the purpose for miracles? And then again, what was the purpose for the miracles with, with Moses, that they might believe I sent you? Okay. Well, in chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says, The beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, say it with me, and his disciples believed on him. Y'all see it? Isn't that good? I mean, the Lord showed me that today. I was like, wow, praise the Lord. And so if you will, all the miracles for Moses were associated with death. And the first miracle Jesus did was associated with life and relationship and celebration and grace and goodness and you can add all the adjectives you want. You all with me? 
I want you to notice a couple things about it. Look what the Bible says in verse 2. And listen, there's no detail lost in our Bible. How did they get to that wedding? The Bible says in both Jesus was and his disciples, you can add, were called to the marriage. Folks, how did they get to the marriage? They were invited. Guys, how are you going to get to heaven? By invitation. And how do you get there? God calls, you accept. And by the way, the word call, is, is it literally means to call by name. That's what it literally means. It doesn't mean to cry out. It means to call by name. And so literally, there was a day where God looked at Jimmy and said, Jimmy, I want you to, I want you to be one of mine. Did you answer that call? December 1985, the Lord did the same thing to me. He said, I want you to be one of mine. I said, Lord, I'm here. Amen. Amen. Did y'all do that? And so if you will, it, you can say, well, you're making a major out of a minor. No, God's the one that gave us the picture. And he put it first. You know why? The law first mentioned it. Whatever he does first is important. Yeah, it is. Amen. <laughs> Got my amen section there, amen. By invitation only. Bible, it's also a celebration. Any of y'all looking forward to a celebration? I am. Can you go to Revelation chapter 19, please? Revelation chapter 19. The Bible says, and I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called, what? Blessed are they which are, what? Unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Blessed are the people who are invited. And by the way, everybody's invited, but not everybody accepts. Amen. That'll preach. And so we see here, if you will, it was a celebration of those who've been invited to celebrate what? The bridegroom coming together and finally consummating the marriage, coming together for eternity of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And the bride, uh, we believe in, I believe in a church bride, I will tell you that. But I, I do believe this, and it's, it's hard for me to understand this. Uh, I'm not going to get in a fight with anybody about it because I think there are some things too wonderful for us to understand sometimes. I do believe in a church bride, just lest we not be clear. But look at one of the descriptions of those who are in heaven for this. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 22. And if you go to the book of Galatians, it talks about the bride of Christ coming, or, or the city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, adorned as a bride. Okay, now I don't believe the city is the bride, but I believe the city contains the bride. We're, we'll be in the city. Y'all understand? 
And so it's that Mount Sion, that's J New Jerusalem, that's Jerusalem, okay? And it says, But you're come to Mount Sion unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. <laughs> Excuse me, you all expect to see some angels when you get to heaven? It says, To the general assembly, I don't know what that is, I know assembly kind of means church, but then it says, and church of the firstborn. Well, what's that mean? I don't, I don't know. I've got to be honest with you. I've studied this many times. I still don't know. I know what I think it means. And I'll tell you what that is here in a second. Okay. But the Bible says, and this, this clarifies for me, which were written in heaven. Help me now. Who are the ones who, which are written in heaven? You have your name written in the Lamb Book of Life. And by the way, that's not just the church. That's all the redeemed. So please take this the right way. I, I just believe, if you will, this, this marriage, Supper of the Lamb, I, uh, I'll preach on it someday, but it takes, a, I mean, it takes a couple messages to explain it. But I, I do believe, that it, I, I'm not going to go any further. The whole point is this, is you have Jesus, God, and he has all the redeemed, and we're going to be together for, in heaven forever. Amen. Excuse me, I'm sorry about doing that. And by the way, is Jesus the bridegroom? Go to John chapter 3, please. John chapter 3, and look at verse 29. John chapter 3, and verse 29. And the Bible says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. This is John talking about Jesus, folks. He says, But the friend of the bridegroom, that's the best man, and he's talking about himself. He says, which standeth and, bear, and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. You know what he said? He's saying, I'm the one that got to announce him, but Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. Praise God. I don't know about you, I, I, like, I like seeing stuff like that. Amen? And so, by the way, we haven't, we haven't talked one time yet about whether that wine was wine or grape juice. And see how much meaning is in that text? Amen. Can I give you one more meaning here? I want you to go back and see something. Go back to John again, chapter 2. And I want you to answer me this question. The Bible says, In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. Third day to what? I'm not expecting you to answer that because I've just been preaching for 30 years. I just figured it out. Okay? I'm not saying I... I know, but I think I know. All right. Can anybody name the days of the week in the Bible? You can. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to see if somebody older can do it this time, okay? Anakin, all right? Can anybody name the days of the week in the Old Testament in the Bible? What are the names of the days of the week? Interesting. You guys know that um, there are no names of the days of the week in the Bible. Okay. As a matter of fact, the only day of the week that's named in the Old Testament is the seventh day. It's the Sabbath day. And if you, the only other place it talks about the days of the week is in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. They're uh, on the first day and the second day and the third day. Okay. And so on day number one, they did this. Day number two, help me, what day of our weeks was day number one? <laughs> Somebody besides Anakin. <laughs> I'll give you a guess, Anakin. What do you think? Uh, 
Come on, you, you guys can answer this. Sunday. Sunday. And the seventh day, of course, would be the Sabbath. That would be the seventh day. And whether you know it or not, those days didn't have names until, I believe, the fourth century when the Roman Empire went from an eight-day week to a seventh-day week, and they put their gods on our days. Sun day, moon day, then the Nordic god Tus, Wodens, Terse, Tors, excuse me, uh, Fries is Friday, Saturday is Saturn, and then Sunday is the sun. Okay, none of those days are named out of the Bible. All right, they're all named for Norse gods and Roman gods. Okay, y'all with me? So what's the third day? What's the third day of the week? Tuesday. Tuesday. Folks, you'll be hard-pressed to find an antecedent to that third day, meaning it's not following the next day, next day, next day, next day. It's not. It's just not. Okay? And so you have to do a little bit deeper search. Okay? And... Listen, I would love to tell you I discovered all this through my own labors, but I got a little bit of this from a commentary. I do believe it's true, though. Um, Jewish people don't get married on Saturdays. Well, I'm about to tell you. Amen? They get married on Tuesdays. Does anybody know that for a fact? do all their weddings on Tuesdays, and the reason is, it's because it's the twice-blessed day. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, the Bible talks about, if you will, in the beginning, in verse 1, uh, verse 3, let there be light. Uh, verse 5, and God called the light day, and the darkness called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day, okay? And then he separated the firmament and everything. Uh, help me now. Where does it say it was good? Yeah, there's got to be one for the first day here. Is it verse 10? Here's the third day. I'm sorry, I should have written this down. Here's the second day. <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you. Verse 4, it said, God saw the light that it was. Everybody say it? Good. The only problem is verses 6 through 8, you have the second day, and it talks about everything there, and it doesn't one time say it was good. Not one time. That's why Mondays are bad Mondays. It's not a blessed day. It's true. But then in verse 9, the Bible describes the third day, and the Bible talks about uh, separating the waters from the waters. And in verse 10, he says, and after all that, and he says, and he saw that it was good. We're still on day 2, excuse me, day 3. And then go all the way down to verse 13, where they finish the rest of day 3. And, uh, excuse me, verse 12, and the Bible says, and God saw that it was, say it? Good. So, Day two was never, he never said it was good. I've never seen that before, okay? 
And having said that, I'm pretty sure day two was a good day too. Y'all with me? I'm just saying the Bible says that it was good twice on the third day. Jews get married on Wednesday. What day was it that Jesus was at this wedding? He was there on a Tuesday. Okay, so there's not a theological significance so far as I can see. It's just, uh, remember what we're talking about on Sunday night, and please forgive me, but I really am trying to give you the tools to be able to study the Bible for yourself. Okay? And when it comes to how we study our Bible, you have to study in the context, okay, historical context. And one of the historical contexts of the life of Jesus is he was a Jew. Jews have their weddings on Tuesday, which is the third day. Okay, and so if you will. Uh, anyhow, I hope you can. Yep, just Tuesdays. That's what I understand. It's the twice blessed day. That's the reason they do it. So anyhow, let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to open your word. Give us understanding, Lord. Don't give us uh, arrogance, but Father, give us compassion. Give us the ability to meet the needs of those around.